Hello and welcome to Cartel Aristocrats cast number 147. This cast is always sponsored by CoolStuffInc.com. With free shipping on orders of $100 or more and a sweet 25% buy list bonus, CoolStuffInc.com is the store for all of your Magic the Gathering needs. I'm joined, of course, this week with my two co-hosts, Ed Wynn of Tales of Adventure and Jim Caselli of CoolStuffInc.com. We have a lot to talk about this week. People made predictions last week that already came true. And we should have better audio this week. But first off, how are you guys doing this week? Good. I am fine. And I'm pretty Gucci. Well, Ed, we might as well start with Lord Jim's prediction of what was going to happen. Jim had said on the past two weeks, uh, the prophet that he is, the scrolls of wisdom, that Modern Horizons cards would start going up. And that he decided to buy all of his Florida lands, all of the EDH shiny goodness that he wanted. And we're starting to see prices trend up. And of course, if you follow Ed on Twitter, you'll notice that he tweeted out at Seattle. Hey guys, these cards are going to start to rise. And you saw a pushback a little bit on Reddit and uh, the Discord and stuff like that. Of people not quite believing what Ed was saying, that cards were going to start going up. And then almost as if by a miracle last night. Basically, everything started spiking. Red and Six went up to $50 predicated on legacy play. Um, The lands from Modern Horizons are starting to trend up. Foils for basically everything are disappearing. Force of Vigor is disappearing. Basically, any playable that players wanted has started going up. So, Ed, what did you see at Seattle when you should have been working where you were like, wait a second, this is the highest supply point for Modern Horizons, and I should start buying a bunch of stuff. And how was the event in general for you? Uh, Wow, there's a lot there. Um, So the event was fine. It was a relatively... uh, It was relatively uneventful um, for being a four-day event. I think the biggest problem with four-day events is they're no longer unique. it was a big deal when they first did Vegas. Vegas was a prime location. People wanted to go and spend a lot of time in Vegas. And then they started doing it. They had Vegas again. It became less special. And then last year, they had a bunch of 40 Grand Prix uh, across all continents. And then I think that was probably the tipping point when people realized, excuse me, that four-day events aren't actually special. It's a three-day event with Thursday tacked on. Um so that itself didn't make Seattle particularly special. It's one of two Grand Prix this year. There are four days. The other one is Vegas, of course. Um, that being said, Thursday was a. It felt like a pretty quiet day at the GP, um, mainly because without any, without day one, without the main event uh, starting that day, we just didn't really have much going on on our half of the room. Our booth was adjacent to the main event. Um, uh the draw obviously the part that makes seattle more unique is the fact that it was one of two weekends for modern horizons uh it actually you could almost count as a double gp because both friday and saturday were day ones um so there was definitely a lot of opportunity to buy modern horizon cards a lot of people were walking around especially with things that they had just opened um i do think that uh based on the amount of modern horizon cards that we bought and uh based on the other how the other vendors in the room were doing with modern horizon cards i 
I honestly do think we are approaching peak supply. I don't see many more people opening up this product, especially now that there's no more uh, Modern Horizons GPs. The price point of it doesn't make it particularly attractive to play at side events at Grand Prix. Um, I, from what from what I saw, uh, there were less drafts or less sealed events trying than normal for Modern Horizons. So it's probably at the point where people are basically going to stop opening product. I'm sure there'll be occasionally people who want to crack a box or just getting their boxes in um, or any coupon codes or anything that would help get them uh, late boxes. But otherwise, I really don't see much more product being opened right now. Um, the biggest problem is that it's a fairly high variance uh, play to be opening boxes on a small scale. Um, if you're not opening up off enough boxes where the the variance balances itself out, you could get burned if you don't if you aren't opening the top cards in the set. Um, that being said, I do think prices will continue to go up uh, in the immediate future. I don't know what it will take for prices to come down. Again, if I don't if my, if my prediction is that people are going to stop opening up boxes, there's not going to be more supply coming into the market. I really see nothing that will pressure these cards to trend downwards instead of upwards. Jim, did you get all of your foily goodness in time before prices went back up? So I don't typically buy foils when the first set first comes out, um, unless it's like a weird supplementary set or it's like something I know I for sure will want. A lot of the things I end up buying are things that like I will probably want in the future, but doesn't necessarily mean I'm going to play all the time. So like, for example, I bought four of each of the dual lands from the set because I'll probably need them at some point in the future. I don't have any deck that's like, yeah, for sure needs one of those things. Like, it's not really that much different. Like, the difference between Fiery Islet and Steam Vents is, like, pretty minimal in most cases. But the cards that I did target were cards that, like, I for sure I knew I wanted in foil. So, like, I bought a foil um, Sisse and I bought a foil... Morphon, and I was considering a foil Yawgmoth, but that card's just like still a little bit too expensive to for me to want to pay cash for it. Uh, but I definitely did like get a bunch of the other stuff that I needed for my decks, and I'm still like casually looking at some foils. Like I do want to get a foil Altar of Dementia, but I feel like there's a possible like there's a pretty big probability that something in this Hogak deck gets banned, and like all of a sudden people don't really need those altars anymore. And like, it's only $9. So like, I might just buy one anyway, but there's just that there's like a lot of stuff in this set that I think is like pretty okay to wait for. That's not immediately impactful. Like, I don't think that buying uh, winds of abandon is necessarily like right now. I, I really didn't buy a lot of foils from the set because the prices were kind of all over the place. Yeah, well, it's interesting to see where the price of Foil Renin 6 uh, is going to end up. I know we had a couple of listeners talking on our Discord about how certain shops were paying like 140 or 150 on Foil Renin 6, and then it went to 180, and then one of the vendors just like bought everything out in the room under 200 or something, I guess because the price kept climbing in Seattle over the weekend. Um, but then we also had someone else point out that Europe specifically, a ton of these cards are being targeted on card market and it's going to continue to go down. Um, I think like the big ones were Force of Vigor, Renin 6, etc., where all these cards are going to start coming over from Europe 
I don't really think it'll do much to the prices. I think demand is still pretty high at the moment, but it'll be interesting to see where that ends up. Um, I think the play is, and I think Ed would maybe agree with me unless we both get burnt out. Um, when it comes to M20, just like buy a stack of Leyline in the Void and sit on them for two years. So that seems like a a good thing to to target whenever that gets reprinted because they're currently like 15 right now or something like 10 to 15 for the M11 uh, copies, but these could easily get down to like three to five bucks, assuming it's not a player in standard. Um, but yeah, I don't add is Leyline a European card as much as like Liliana is. Uh, Leyline is just an everywhere else card. It's cheaper in the U S compared to everywhere else. Okay. Yeah. It's even better. Um, so yeah, keep that in mind. Keep in mind that, uh, you look at Japan and there were $14 copies of the first sliver that were obviously going to come over here and be put on TCG. There's like certain TCG accounts you can look at where they basically, you're just drop shipping everything. Um, where like they'll have like 50 copies of like a foil rare or something from Haruya or Tokyo MTG or whatever. And like all they sell is arbitrage stuff. Um, so those TCG accounts are pretty easy to find if you're just like looking for a casual card and you see a shop that is like 50 copies in Chinese or Japanese. Um, but yeah, people are definitely catching on to that. So expect prices to be okay in America as far as they're not going to go up as fast, but internationally, the more copies of like the first lever a Japanese vendor sells, they're going to raise their buy price to account for that international demand unless Ed just buys them out. So it happens, but it is important to note that we're probably in a week, we're going to start seeing all these cards from Europe and Japan, especially after Seattle, where a lot of people actually got these cards from the vendors overseas are going to be put online. So, and I don't know, I think Jim did not buy a copy, but I don't know where prismatic Vista is going to end up for the foil copy, the non-foil Dude, copy. Um, sorry, go ahead. Do you want me to say Vista? No. Uh, so you remember how I sent you a message about if I could buy a card from you off of CCG player? That was 100% yeah. the card that I wanted from you. I had non-foil the... ones. We didn't have foil ones. No, no, I know. I wanted a non-foil one because it's a card no. that I like. I wasn't so sure I wanted, but like you had it for like, I think $17. And yeah. I was like, yeah, I'll definitely buy it for that much. And then when you got back to me, it had sold. And I was like, well, I guess I don't want to pay 24 for it. Right. So. We listed 12 of them because we got them from overseas for like 14 or something. I think I put them, I think I made like 50 cents a copy, which is like balling. But uh, is it though? Like that? I feel like that was just definitely not worth it. That is, well, who said I was the one uh, listing and shipping? <laughs> I guess. So, I don't know, man. That's not my problem. You know, I'm not really like people know about this from Twitter, but like I took a step back from running a shop. So I'm just a full time bum now. In case uh, listeners didn't know that. So I'm, I'm still like running course. tournaments. Like I'm flying Doug in to work for me. I'm flying Ed in to work for me, but I am a much more passive uh, person now. It's much easier to pay other people to do this stuff. So yeah. Yep. Uh, you can't afford me. That's why I'm not flying in. Yeah. Sorry. I don't want an alligator coming in the suitcase. Um, yeah. So just keep in mind, back to the point, international cards are going to start arriving. You're going to see like specific vendors that have a lot of these cards available for sale. 
and everyone's going to be dumping these singles because they may have been on the road back to back from DC to Seattle. So everything that they've been carrying with them is going to be listed. And we have, I believe Ed or Jim mentioned this already this episode. Dallas is a modern Grand Prix. We may just see like eight Hogak decks in the top eight or like one deck that is like four Leyline and four Relic main deck in the top eight. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there. You think you that the four Leyline deck that also has four Relics is not going to play four Surgicals? I don't play Modern Man. The, like Legacy Leyline <laughs> is an actual deck. So we'll see. Um, Ed, do you have any thoughts? Are you going to Dallas this weekend on what we may see price wise happen with all the Hogak? Uh, two things. I think now that it's on everyone's radar, um, everyone is definitely well prepared for it now, even if that means anything well prepared. Um, there, I imagine there'll be a lot of people who are wanting to play it. Uh, I think the cards that would do best this weekend are um, are the sideboard cards. The sideboard cards will always be good. Rest in peace, Surgical Extraction, uh, Leyline of the Void. Um, Leyline of the Void is kind of awkward. It's probably going to be hard for people to shell a premium on that card, uh, especially since it's being reprinted in two weeks or whatever. Um, uh, I think... I'm very curious to see how Modern Horizon cards will do as a whole. Um, Texas uh, kind of operates on its own scale because it's so big. There are a lot of stores in Texas. Um, but without a lot of people opening up Modern Horizons cards and selling them to vendors, especially because we're now on this weekend will be week three after Modern Horizons is out, we might not see a lot of cards available. Um so I'm I'm a little bit curious to see how um, prices uh, will be on site. I know that a lot of vendors have ha- had a hard time keeping uh, inventory on uh, on hand for the more in demand cards, especially some of the more narrow ones. Um, especially uh, things like uh, uh, Force of Vigor, the Mariner, the Blue White Mariner that goes in both the humans and the spirit deck. Those are type of cards that People probably didn't pick up a ton of copies, but there's a lot of demand for that card. Uh, it's probably very, very hard to stock. Um, I think there are like some fringe cards that theoretically could see play as well. Aria Flame was another one that um, people have started to pick up on in Phoenix decks. That's the uh, Red Enchantment that gains you 10 life, and then for each cha- uh, spell you chain after that, it deals additional damage. Uh, people start to catch on that that's a pretty good card. That card previously started out at a dollar, if that. 50 cents. Yeah, 50 cents. Um, and now I think when I looked at TCG a little bit earlier this morning, I think it was pushing about 6 to $7. Uh, those are probably the type of cards that are going to be very, very, very hard to find to GP, uh, unless you had vendors that specifically had copies of them and brought them, assuming they didn't sell theirs already. And without, again, without a main event or something that will push people to sell their cards that they open, I do think some of these cards will be very, very hard to find, which will further incentivize vendors to push their buy prices up, which in turn will mean that they'll be selling them for more. Um, Crazy look, how economics works sometimes. Yes. Uh, if you look at TCG Player on a lot of the cards themselves, uh, the supply basically has bottomed out. You don't see a lot of vendors with... 50 plus copies of some of these cards 
some of the rares last week, there were vendors that had listed over 250 copies of them online. Genesis. <laughs> um, there were there were a few I, look, I was looking at, and I had I regret not pulling the trigger because now I'm unable to buy cards in large quantities from a single vendor. But um, the fact that they've been disappearing so quickly, um, especially through direct, where a large a lot of sellers list a large volume of cards, means that uh, there's a lot of demand for these cards, and people are definitely buying them um, in volume. So as Jim noted, we saw a race to the bottom. I think we recorded after this happened, but we saw a race to the bottom where like Saturday morning, Saturday night was like the lowest prices possible. And then we saw everything rebound, not to the same extent as Ultimate Masters, but still a pretty good rebound. People were listing Genesis at five cents and they had 200 copies. So like, that's all the time out here. I, yeah. I imagine that that's a, that was a mistake. It was not. There were six vendors that had over a hundred copies. No, I feel like someone, like the first person, did it as a mistake, and then the, everyone else was just like, "Well, I'm gonna lose to the same amount as the lowest one." When like, there's no reason to have a rare for like less than eight cents. So like, there is, if someone doesn't buy specifically that card. A lot of times, like vendors will price rares at ten cents as like an add-on. For right, that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't know why you would put it at five when you can like buy list them like you their bulk bars are worth more than a nickel right like at least not for much cents. not at gps like the most you'll get is six cents now okay but that's still a penny more than they get for putting them on tcg player like putting them that's for, only for bulkers, that's not for the same rare anyways i bought like 1500 copies of genesis for like bulkers and then i went on sick deals and got flamed by them because i'm like TCG is five cents. I'll pay you thirty-five cents each for a thousand copies of Genesis. Like I don't see this card being a bulker. I see this card at like two dollars in a year with like a strong fifty to seventy-five cent buy list price. So full disclosure, not as many as I had memory jars, but I have about fifteen hundred copies of Genesis on the way. So I will keep buying Genesis as long as they stay around like the same amount. And I know people give me flack for this because like I have a retail ad. I can sell these for a dollar each, but it seems like free money of like you see like a vendor with 160 something copies for like under a quarter or like literally in some cases five cents. And then I pay 99 cents in shipping. So they're literally just losing money. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. If you're racing to the bottom, don't like in like most of these shops have like fifty thousand sales, so I'm assuming they know what they're doing. But I'll just keep buying as many copies at bulk as I can. Same with the blue red collected company spell thing. Like that doesn't really do anything in modern right now, but in the future it could do something. Um, Lightning scale elemental is another bulk rare that may spike with the new elemental card out of M20. I don't really think we need to talk about M20 this much this week because there's not too many spoilers yet, but yeah, the there's a lot of spoiled, you What? I said the, set, the set's like almost completely spoiled, you bum. I am such a bum. Like, there's so many cards that are close to bulk from Modern Horizons, and as Ed said, people are starting to buy them because certain vendors, like, someone had Force of Vigor at $3. They had like 140 copies, and then I woke up the next day and they were all sold. Like they weren't relisted, they all sold because one it only takes one vendor to be like, sure, I can sell these for six. I think it's up to six now again. So timing it uh gets you like a free steak dinner sometimes. 
So keep that in mind. I know there's a lot of people out there that are super bullish on all the Modern Horizons lands because they're like, oh, these will be 30 to $40 in a year. I don't know if I'm that confident, but you'll definitely see a return at some point, especially if you bought it near the low. Anything else you guys want to talk about with Modern Horizons pricings before we move on to our uh, credit winner of the week? Uh, I, th- I think not necessarily related to Modern Horizons itself, but I think uh, to backtrack a moment when you were talking about buying cards for five cents, I don't believe we touched on any of the previous episodes, but uh, at the beginning of June, I think it was either May 30th or June 1st, TCG Player implemented the uh, no minimum order anymore. You can now buy. Cents. Now you can buy. You can buy any card you want. Uh, if your order is under, I believe five dollars now, uh, which is the soft minimum, as it were, uh, they will automatically tack on seventy-eight cents uh, share price. So in theory, if you know, in the case of Genesis, for example, if I wanted exactly one Genesis, it would cost me eighty-three cents. It would be five cents that uh, of the listed price plus seventy-eight cents to. Um, uh, that TCG player would charge me as a consumer. Um, it's important to note because this has led to a lot of uh, issues on some of the TCG player uh, pro retailer groups. Uh, a lot of people have complained about um, about getting orders that are relatively trivial to send out. Uh, there's interesting posts where someone basically complained that they had a, cons- a customer buy two cards at 16 cents from them. The total order was 32 cents. Uh, and if you add on the, uh, or it, it, I think it was 20 cents regardless. It was um, 32 cents. He went off on the entire group, not just TCG, but the entire group. It, it, it was pretty comical. It was, uh, yeah. Yeah, it was bad. I, I know some of the store owners that listen to this, they'll, 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 they'll know what's going on. It was, it was a pretty good post. Shout uh, out to the owner of Tales of Adventure for offering to ship those cards for free to the customer. The gist was, he said, I'm losing money shipping. I'm not going to send these cards out. I'm just going to cancel the order. And uh, the owner of Tales of Adventure, who does not sponsor this podcast, was like, tell me the customer, I'll ship them the cards for free. Because like you're acting like a child. Um, but yeah, Ed, basically, and I'll you can expand on this, but shops are having a hard time adjusting if their entire model is based off of selling bulk through direct. That's what people should know. And you're free to add on to that. But that's the gist. Yeah, I it wouldn't surprise me if people out there are ordering basically if they're trying to order one common that they need for their standard sideboard deck or something like that, if vendors will just start um canceling your order. Um I'm somewhat sympathetic towards vendors that do this, mainly because it's it's basically pushing what it's worth to send out. I don't imagine that many vendors would be sending um would be canceling. I think that that particular person is just not particularly good at business. I think it's the number of orders you'll get are relatively small and trivial. I imagine a lot of the smaller vendors, probably like this uh, person in question, will have a hard time adjusting with this. Um, but uh, I think the indirect effect is a lot of people will start either raising the price on small cards or either take them offline directly, which. Um, would in turn cause the prices to go up if they're no longer listing their cards at the bottom. And we've seen this in a lot of the TCG groups where no one sells cards at five to 10 cents anymore. The minimum is now a quarter or 30 cents. Yes. So I do suspect that there'll be the floor as it were on some of these cards will be much higher. Um, I think that they had uh, 
the group had worked out that I think 22 cents or so is the is the point where you're technically still making money on your orders, um, assuming that your cards cost nothing and labor is free. Um, so with that floor in mind, most stores are probably starting to will be pushing up the prices or using the mass pricing to set up a, a higher floor on these singles than they were previously. Um, it only takes a store probably like one time to get burned by someone uh, like Jeremy where they had cards listed at five cents and 99 cents shipping and they only need to send out a few orders where they're basically just losing money and giving cards away for free before they realize that I can't have cards listed at this price anymore. These cards need to be more expensive. And I imagine this is a consequence we'll see. We'll start to see more and more probably in the next month or two. Yeah, I've, I've definitely noticed that. So when I do my orders, um, when I'm buying like large amounts of like, so basically if I'm buying stuff for a specific deck, like a bunch of different things, I will usually just order it through uh, a store. So like cool stuff is my LGS. So I would usually just get it through them, um, put together an order of all the rando things that I need for like a commander deck. But when there's a new set that comes out and I'm on TCG player trying to order things, I think that like the easiest way to do this, if you're a more casual person like myself, uh, put the most expensive things into your cart first and then enable the filter that um, makes it so that it only shows you vendors that have that are in your cart when you're trying to buy additional cards. So if you're like trying to go buy like bulk commons and uncommons to go with your you know rares and whatever, you can get the vendors that you already have cards from into your cart, and it might cost you a little bit more. Like, even if they're thirty cents for like a bulk common or an uncommon, it's still probably cheaper than paying a nickel plus the seventy-eight cents to get it shipped from a different vendor. So you end up saving a bunch of money just by making sure that you fill out your cart with the people that you're already buying things from. Uh, I had a little bit of a problem actually trying to get all of the talismans because I was buying a bunch of. Modern Horizons things, and I wanted to get one of each of the talismans, and it was just difficult to find people that had the lowest price um, Horizon Canopy lands in stock while also having the talismans, because a lot of vendors just didn't list any, or they sold out. I, I can't, I don't know which, so I'm actually missing two of the five talismans. This is kind of annoying, but I'll get them eventually. Yeah, and something else to note, if you're using the auto-direct thing, check what they're charging, because like, on one of the groups this weekend, someone sold a chromatic lantern for like thirty dollars because someone just like he he had like the only near mate commander sixteen copy, and I guess the guy just clicked like check out, and yeah, you got to watch out for that if you're just clicking the direct option. Oh yeah, that and like if you're looking at a card, don't don't necessarily click the first. Uh, like you have you have like that preview that shows you like the prices or the lowest prices on TCG Player. Don't click the first one. That's a direct shop that's usually a little bit more expensive. Like, click yep. through the link to see the actual listings, and you can find out if there's actually something cheaper that is better priced for you. What is your time worth? That's the real question. And one last thing before we get into of our credit winner, because I feel like I have to bring this up, though I won't rant for too long. Uh, there's a shop that I won't name because I don't want to get yelled at. And they were advertising a 3K this upcoming weekend. And you know, 3K won $3,000 cash. They're not a competitor of mine. They're not in the same state as me. I don't compete with them. I'm just appalled with what they did. So they canceled the 3K. And they said, the reason why we're canceling this 3K, they said an email to, allegedly, to each of their players. But the email said, 
um, we're canceling it because our players are not showing up. Essentially, we're a week out. We're not going to make money. We're going to lose. I think it was allegedly fifteen hundred dollars on this three K if we run it because we have to pay the judges and all that. So first off, Magic players don't sign up for anything until last minute, and I know that because like our legacy tournament filled up the day of the tournament, and we had to turn people away. Second off, you're not running the tournament to make money. You want people to come in so you can buy and sell their cards. And like they stay in your shop longer, they spend more money. So that's like another reason why you shouldn't say, oh, we're going to lose money on this tournament. Therefore, we shouldn't run it. Channel Fireball loses money, allegedly, running these tournaments all the time based on what they've said on Reddit or whatever. And like they're not continuing to run tournaments because they're not they're losing money they're continuing to run tournaments because vendors show up they can buy and sell cards etc cetera, etc cetera. um or they can allegedly double how much the prize wall costs um but if you're a shop don't the week before if like players have booked hotels and all this be like oh we're gonna lose money like a week out sorry guys and i think what they're doing now instead of a 3k is one whole win a box on the same time as the tournament but if i was a player and I had the option to go to a tournament that the shop was holding in two weeks versus a tournament for the same format on the same day at the same time that a competitor was holding. I would go to the competitor in the future because I wouldn't trust that shop to fire every event. So by canceling this one event, they could potentially be losing a ton of customers down the road. So the moral of the story is be a good business person and don't cancel your events and then make the players who booked hotels sad. Allegedly. So that's my rant. I'm just, I just get annoyed when people do that. I'm not even going to the event. I just heard about it. Yeah. I mean, if, if this happens, like clearly the word of mouth is not going to be good for you. Uh, you need to have some, you need to have, you know, either ridiculous price support or the goodwill of the players for people to show up. And, uh, by canceling a tournament that close to it's, uh, the, the date that it was supposed to happen, like you, you negate a lot of goodwill that you could have had and a lot of the benefit of the doubt. And then you're just not going to get any people for the next time. Like canceling that tournament basically ensures that they'll never run another tournament. Sure. Or like if you run a mythic championship qualifier and your only prize support is the invite and nothing else, like that also looks pretty bad. Different shop, but same example. Anyway, um, you don't have to pay to win this, to win our uh, tournament. Jim, who won the $25 Cool Stuff gift certificate this week? Our winner this week is Bruce Gray. And I know you don't want to answer this question, but people are going to ask about it. So we're going to do it. So he asks, uh, what is your take on Mage Market? Is this TCG Evolved or another Puka Trade variant that is bound to struggle? Would love to hear your thoughts on this interesting development as an option. Uh, personally, I didn't read all of the things that it has to offer, but I got a really bad taste on my mouth by saying that, like, by reading the headline that it's supposed to be comparable to a stock market, uh, stocks are more regulated, although not, like, as well as people would want them to, uh, and this is, this is not a regulated market at all, so there's all sorts of bad actors that can be uh, involved in something like this. If you're just going to try to use it like a buying and selling platform, I feel like it's not any different than TCG Player or Card Sphere. Uh, and I'm not sure that there's a reason to really invest your time or money into this 
given how uncertain it is. Uh, so my take on this is that um, I didn't actually have a chance to talk to them in uh, Seattle. They had a booth there and um, an extension, not directly in this question itself. Uh, Mythic Market was also there. Uh, we can talk about that kind of this question, but um, I think people trying to, I feel they pitched to hold themselves in a corner by trying to say it is a functional magic stock market. Um, I, I imagine a lot of people are in the same boat as Jim where they're trying to um, shoehorn that phrase in there when it's not really appropriate for what they're trying to do. I understand what their model is. It makes a lot of sense to me. It, um, I actually downloaded the app onto my iPhone. I actually looked at the website. Um, not as much as I want to. It was a fairly be, uh, busy weekend. I didn't really have time to play around with those. I actually plan to do that uh, probably later this evening when I have a bit more time. Um, I think the functionality is there. I think they're doing it in a very good way. I think there is a lot of appeal uh, as a consumer. Um, I want to say that I will give it a fair shot. Um, just at, at the very minimum to play around with the app, with the website uh, itself before I make too much, uh, before I pass too much judgment onto it. And to um, clarify, you were talking about mage market, not yes. method market. Yes, yes. Uh, I'm, okay, I'm, I'm you trying, should probably I'm, clarify that. I, I'm, I'm trying to stay in the scope of this question. We'll talk about mythic market a bit more after this. Um, I Again, I think the functionality is there. Um, it is a... Um, I wouldn't want to say that this is a Puka Trade variant. I want to say this is much closer to a TCG player platform. Uh, the fee structure is slightly different in the sense that uh, fees are collected per transaction. Again, kind of similar to how uh, most money markets are operated. Um, trying to avoid saying that, but um, again, I. I think there is a certain role where this fills. Um, the fact that this may lead to some interesting uh, speculation uh, scenarios is what intrigues me, mainly because this allows for more instantaneous trading, um, in the sense that you're not you're not actually owning the card. You uh, you're owning the option to buy and sell it. Uh, it's basically uh, analogous to TCG Direct. I, that's probably the closest um, analog. Um, I wish I had a bit more information. I didn't. Again, if I had used the platform a bit more, I probably would be able to look at uh, go into a bit more detail about how it actually works. Uh, when the brief time that I had to play with the app, it looks like Card Kingdom is fulfilling a majority of the orders right now. And I'm not quite sure where they're holding these cards, as it were, um, in escrow until someone wants to cash out and actually receive the card. Um, but I did see there were some cards from people who had already started to list items uh, that you're now able to buy direct from them and uh, et cetera. Um, I, I, again, I think uh, to answer your question directly, it is better in my mind than Puka Trade. I think it would be unfair to try and compare to Puka Trade. 
Um, it it's more of is this uh doing something that's better than what TCG player is doing, which is a very very steep mountain to climb. I don't think it is, but I'm not necessarily willing to uh just shut the doors and not give it a shot. At least take a look at what that to see what the app and uh, website have to offer. Anything you want to add, Jim? No, I went first. You're the one that hasn't talked. Yeah, I just wanted to make sure. So, from what I can tell, they also have a credit card that gives 3%. I, if I remember correctly, I may get some of these details wrong, but I saw you know, content creators tweeting out that they're sponsored by them and that they have a credit card, if I recall correctly, and all that. So they have a credit card that says they give you 3% back on LGS purchases, but like what qualifies as an LGS purchase? Like, you know, that's sort of hard as Ed and I both know very well, uh, how something shows up on your credit card and how many points you get for that is very dependent on your issuer in some cases or where you're buying from. Uh, so for example, like what codes is a restaurant does Postmates code as, as a restaurant or do I need to actually buy from a restaurant? Uh, that sort of example. So not only are they pushing a credit card, they're also pushing an alternative to TCG player. I am not a fan of the credit card because they're like, in my opinion, almost any other credit card is better than this. They offer sign-up bonuses, uh, travel insurance, stuff like that. So I, I would certainly, based off of what I remember about their credit card, I would not recommend signing up for that credit card. Um, I don't know enough about what's going to happen with um, their their system. Like Ed and I are both, you know, we're not going to this like card sphere <laughs> or I definitely dropped the ball on that, but I, I'm not confident currently in their, um, in their system at all. And I would personally stay away from it just because it, it doesn't seem like something that I'm going to want to put any time into it when it comes to speculating or, you know, being the future of the stock market or doing futures on cards, stuff like that. Um, there will be a space just like Puka Trade where arbitrage was very much in play, same with cards here, where certain people will be able to make money off of this no matter what. Um, I just don't see myself, quote unquote, investing in this. Um, and I would prefer to just stick with traditional investments over this. I would rather personally have the card in my hand. And I know that Mage Market says, you know, it's held at their warehouse and they can ship it to you or you can keep it at the warehouse to flip it. Uh, which is certainly easier than it is to, you know, ship a card off to a buy list or sell it to someone and pay all those fees. I just, I just don't like it. Um, and I actually heard about the credit card first before I heard about their, uh, their platform. So, in in my opinion, they should stick to one thing rather than two. Um, so we'll see where it goes. But I personally, at this time, in my opinion, just wouldn't recommend using it until we get more information about it. So. But yeah, credit cards are a very big tool for most adults and like every credit card beats this. And that's really where I'm hammering it in on is, uh, you know, like, do they get to sell that data of like how much money you're spending on games versus life or something like that? So I don't know. I'm just not confident in it yet, but admittedly, I don't know everything about it yet. Anything else you guys want to add? All right, Jim, where can they... Uh, claim their credit, and where can people leave a question for next week? As always, you can send me an email uh, at cartelaristocrats at gmail.com. 
And then during the next cast, I will get you your gift certificate for $25 of CoolStuffInc.com store credit. If you'd like to win next week, uh, you can leave a question on the CoolStuffInc.com page that will go up with our podcast. And we'll remind you every week on our Discord that you should leave a question. So um, let's talk about Mythic Market now. This is the website that came out, and they're like, you can own part of a, I believe it is a BGS9 Lotus. Um, we're going to set it at $120,000. You can buy shares of it for $62, I believe, something like that. Um, so, yeah, you get to own part of an Alpha Black Lotus. And I believe, based on what I saw, they didn't even sell 10% of it um, within the first week of launch. But I am interested to see if Ed thinks that a 9 BGS Alpha was priced correctly and if there's any potential pitfalls of using Mythic Market in the future. Um, so there were some parts of this. Uh, for, so again, for anyone who wasn't following this, there was an article that was posted up on Channel Fireball. Uh, there's a full disclaimer. advertisement. I believe. I believe it was disclosed at the top that it was a paid advertisement as part of their campaign and not an article. All right. Uh, so a, a paid advertisement. It was up on their website. Uh, it was written by the president slash CEO of the company Mythic Market. And underneath it, there's a disclaimer that John Sasso, who's owner of Channel Fireball, is an advisor for that company. Um, so I first saw this last week. Uh, I think I think the article went live on Monday. I saw on Tuesday uh, while I was waiting for a car rental um, on my way up uh, from Portland to Seattle. I had someone with me, and he was reading a lot of the uh, legal, um, a lot of the legal chatter that was going on behind it. Um, so, in short, this company, uh, Mythic Market, is the parent company. I believe there is a a separate LLC that is a subsidiary of Mythic Market. And it, uh, the only asset of the company is the BGS9 Alpha Lotus is valued at $125,000. They are selling 2,000 shares of it, um, valued at 62.5 cents each. Um, looking deeper into the legal paperwork. You mean it, dollars, not cents. 62.5 dollars. Yes, 62.5 dollars per share. I apologize if I said cents. Um, looking into... Uh, some of the fine print uh, associated with it. Uh, there are certain things that concern me about this. The first is that um, you have no way to actually exchange your shares. You cannot buy, or uh, you, you can buy it, obviously. You can't sell it or trade it because there's no market available for those to be exchanged on. Um, so that creates some issues there, obviously, if I, if I decide that, well, this has gone from, um, from $120,000 to $130,000, I want to lock in my 10% increase and make you know, $6 per share or whatever. I have no option to do that because there's, again, no way for me to sell it. Um, there are also certain things that were added in. Uh, the way the company itself makes money is by having administrative fees and presumably fees that are associated with buying shares itself. They're trying to get a lot of people on board by saying that people who are who get early for the beta um, would basically have these administrative fees waived. I imagine people who are wanting to buy in the future will have fees associated with it. 
Um, and furthermore, having uh, this these items available at Grand Prix, Comic Cons, uh, like larger shows, is probably a way for them to monetize uh, the product itself. Uh, they'd also advertise that in the future they would be having uh, various shares of different collectibles. They had noted expensive Funko Pops. They had sealed boxes of, I think there's like Arabian Nights, Antiquities box, different items that would be available in the future. I imagine they would be done in the same way. A company would be registered as a subsidiary. The only asset of the company would be the, the item in question, and then they would divvy up shares, uh, whatever value they want. Um, this is a very interesting concept to me. One, it is relatively foreign to magic. Uh, we haven't really had a point in time where uh, magic cards have gone this expensive. Uh, this is not something that is unheard of before. This is more common in uh, in higher end collectibles. Um, art is something where people will do this. Uh, people sell fractional shares of art, um, and that's because art is so expensive. It's hard to justify dropping ten million dollars on on an original, for example. Uh, so people will sell different shares, and the piece of art itself will be held by a holding company or a display in a gallery, but it's owned by multiple people. Um, I think um, I'm certainly intrigued by it. I Again, I also didn't have a, a chance to speak with them. They had a small corner booth uh, towards the back of the room. Um, but uh, this is something that I'm less keen on following up on. It is interesting to see how it goes. I believe that on their website, when I last looked last week, um, they had said that they had sold a bit more than 200 shares of it. So that's actually a little bit more than 10% um, at the time. I'm not willing to pursue it further, mainly because there's a little bit too much uncertainty. I'm not sure if the legal chatter and the fine print was there just as a precaution from a lawyer uh, that basically made them put it in there. Um, I'm curious to see how it goes, to see how well it does, to see what options are available in the future, if they become available to uh, to sell shares of this. Um, again, this is something that's relatively foreign to most Magic players because this is something we haven't seen before. But these are these are, this is it's not unheard of. This is actually something people do. Again, it's usually more higher value items. You can uh, go on certain websites where you can buy a fraction of a gold bar inside a Swiss bank vault um, and the value of your share just more or less fluctuates with the spot price of gold. Um, these are things that are out there. Uh, it's again, kind of uh, uh, new waters for magic. Um, I don't know what kind of grounds this had. Um, I'm interested to see if that's if, if and how they'll choose to expand on this in the future, but that's more or less my take on mythic market. And that was, Kind of the my initial impressions, and this is more or less what I. Uh, these are the conclusions I came to from speaking with a few other people uh, who were there as well. Jim, I mean, this doesn't really interest me in any kind of way. Uh, I buy magic cards to play with them almost exclusively, so owning a fractional share of the Black Lotus that I can never play with and probably never see and also not... I, I don't understand, like, do you only own this until it gets sold to someone else? Like, if the holding company sells it, then you get a, your 
percentage of the money or something like what right but if they sell it for less then you lose money but like are what why how could they be in why would they be incentivized to sell like what what causes a sell does like a, like a certain number of shareholders have to vote to sell it or something or like you would certainly have to look into that um there were a couple posts on reddit i believe from accredited wall street people as well as lawyers that were I believe in their opinion, recommending not to invest in this. Now, obviously, as Ed says, it's more common for higher end stuff, you know. Um, but I'll, I'll let you finish what you're talking about, Jim. But just be noted in the original thread on Reddit, there are a lot of people that posted their credits, if I remember correctly, like saying, "Like I'm a blank, and this is why you shouldn't invest." Well, I mean, I don't really have any. Like, uh, to be quite honest, I have almost zero any like actual real interest in investing in this kind of thing. I I'm just curious about how it works because clearly there is, there is theoretical money to be made, but I don't know how, how that actually comes about. I don't know if it matters all that much to me one way or another, because I don't have any interest in buying it. Like for $62, I could buy like a fetch land instead. And I'll play with that and enjoy it way more than I will this fractional piece of a black lotus. So I, I really have no interest in this at all. In my opinion, this targets the people that are too poor to have actual investing advice or like watch one too many of a certain investment YouTube channel and sees dollar signs in their eyes. Um, I think people with the means above this will just buy like better returns because let's say that, you know, their Alpha Lotus sells for $200,000 next year. So they're almost doubling their investment. If you gave Ed or Jim or I a hundred bucks, we could probably turn that into $200 buying and selling cards in the same amount of time. Assuming, of course, that Ed or Jim wants to flip cards you know because jim is just jim is our commander player but like if i give jim a hundred dollars there's a pretty good chance he could double his money in a year in the magic market um so people who are good at finance like ed allegedly even though he's really, really good at finance because that's his job um can easily get a better return than this like there's people out there who make a living like they will chop collections all the time they'll basically do the same thing and then the person who chops with them gets cards or like money back and those returns always will outpace in my opinion something like mythic market um so for people that are well off i don't see why they would invest in this if people are good with money or good at flipping cards i don't know why you would invest in this this just seems like taking advantage of like certain finance content out there we're like, buy what I'm buying, like we'll all make money. So, you know, $60 is a lot to like a high school kid. And that's who I feel like, in my opinion, like the, the younger crowd is being targeted here rather than the older crowd. Because a lot of the older crowd can just afford to buy like nicer stuff, even dual lands. So, yeah, I don't I don't recommend this at all, in my opinion. I I don't like what they're doing. And I think you can get a better return elsewhere. I feel like your point is a bit unfair. I'm not necessarily endorsing Mythic Market here, but to, for your example, um, if you hand me $100 for, uh, or Jim $100, 
there are multiple parts to this, right? Like if I wanted to go out and work, for example, I could just apply for a job at Starbucks or something, right? And I can recoup my $100 in a day. If I want to take that further and walk down to my game store and find someone who is, you know, allegedly being, you know, being a scummy backpack dealer or whatever and wanting to take advantage of someone who needs to make rent and say, I can, you know, I'll buy a your card for more than a store and I'll, you know, here's $100. I can make that $100 stretch a little bit further, get more equity on my time. Uh, I think the appeal of investing naturally is to find a passive um, a passive income stream, right? That's why people invest. That's why people look at money markets. That's why people invest in 401ks. That's why people speculate on items that they can buy today um, and will be worth, you know, 1.1 times what is in, you know, some distant future. Uh, and I think that's an appeal. But again, if I could easily make more money if I just worked for it, but I'm, you know, someone in my mind, I want to be finding as many good hustles, as many investment opportunities as possible. Um, Not uh, Bitcoin. That already tripled. Oh, Bitcoin's doing great. I was, <laughs> I, was, I, was, I, was, I was hoping you'd bring that up. Oh, of course I would. Oh yeah, I, I'm not ready to make a bet because you know I'm off. I'm off gambling. Uh, but His hair can only grow back so many times. I actually need to get a haircut. My hair is. Oh, like, I get I it. Really like me. That seems that's like a, that sounds like a great reason to make a bet. Then <laughs> uh, it took a while for my hair to get back to this, so I'm not ready to lose it over something. Yeah, same. I've yeah. got a glorious mane going. You actually should flip it so that like. You should, if if you win the bet, Jeremy, you should make Ed not be able to cut his hair for like a year. What? No. So you have, you have hippie Ed. Just go uh, the opposite. He's already hippie Ed. Um. Uh. What was I saying? I you were saying um, that it's a good idea to move your money around and passively make money, which I completely agree with. But I would like to point out again that there are better investments out there than this. Of course, of, of course, with of course. substantially less risk. Yes. I think is the big thing is yes. you can get a very good return with substantially less risk buying or investing in almost anything else. So you could be buying like oil futures with all the Iran stuff going on and make like 20%, you know, like, has anyone looked at the price of oil since it was like a dollar? Okay. Maybe not Missouri prices, but Missouri prices was, was one thirty-five per gallon at one point, uh, two years ago around GP Omaha. Like if you invested in oil back then, you've made quite a bit of money. So I'm just saying there's good investments out there. And obviously the whole mantra that people preach is when you're younger, you can make riskier investments. Ed, obviously, like we're all sort of um, in line with that thinking when you get older, you want, you know, investments that get a steadier return so you can retire. So if you want to be aggro with this and buy some stuff, sure. But I personally will just be staying away from this. And, you know, not because of, like, opportunities I have, but just, like, if I was a general magic player out there, I would invest in almost anything else. Or I would just buy a car to invest in myself, throw it in a bank vault, and forget about it. So, yeah. I got nothing else to add. That's more Except Bitcoin. Um, Ed didn't pick it, and it's tripled. So, we have been getting tweets from people about that, about whether or not we're going to do another bet or... If people are making money or stuff like that, well, I mean, so, Jim, Jim sorry, is sorry, getting yeah. married again, right? So, yeah, I only got married one time. So, we got to make a bet before you get married, Ed, on what the price of Bitcoin will be. Oh boy! 
So can we make a bet about which one of the two of you will get married next? Neither. Neither. Yikes. So yikes. Yep. We will both die old 35 year olds. So that'll I see that hashtag dead by 40. Yes. Um, so yeah. Uh, I think we discussed a lot of good stuff today. You guys want to get into pick of the week? We can talk about M20 next week. Sure thing, man. Okie dokie. Ed, what you got for us? I feel like I'm picking Modern Horizons cards for probably like the next two months or something. Uh, Right now, in my mind, uh, any card that hasn't already spiked, and even some cards that have already spiked, I'm basically just not selling. Um, I already have a pile of Modern Horizons cards that I'm, like Jeremy, I was just going in a shoebox. Uh, I think the most obvious one, a lot of people mentioned this as well, um, Hall of Heliod's Generosity. It is the enchantment version of Akami Runes. Uh, this is a very high-functioning casual card. There's a lot of enchantment-based decks out there. People know that, you know, it, it, it's not, it's, you know, cards like Sierra Sanctum, like all these cards that just fuel very, very busted enchantment-based synergies and strategies in EDH will do well. Uh, if you look at Academy Ruins, it has a very, very unique effect. Obviously, it's gone expensive because of Urza and because of, Artifacts are a little bit more prevalent, a little bit more powerful than enchantments. But at, I think, what was it when I looked at it earlier? I want to say, I think I have a tab somewhere. I want to say it was like $5, $4 or so for the um, the haul. Like, I this is a card I just want to own like 10,000 copies of or something. Um, it is... It's, it's just going to be so good. Like, you're just, in EDH, you'll just be able to sell this card until the end of time. It's not likely something that'll get reprinted. It's you know, it's a good card. It's a casual card. It's unlikely to ever be busted in uh, modern. I just don't see an enchantment based strategy being that prevalent. But this is this is something that you'll always be able to sell in large quantities if you have them. Um, I think foils on this are also a good um, a good hold. It wouldn't surprise me if foils have the same kind of absurd multiplier that a lot of the better cards in modern, modern's horizons already have. So this one, this one in my mind seems like a no-brainer. Jimbo. So I know I talked about this earlier as like some something that I was like waiting to get in on, but I've thought about it more during the cast, and I think that maybe I'm incorrect, and this is probably just a time to get in on. Uh, Altar of Dementia is like three dollars ish for the Modern Horizons copy. Uh, these are coming out of $6 booster packs, so obviously the floor on it will be much higher. It was printed in Conspiracy. Yes, it was printed in Conspiracy, and it was printed in Tempest, and they were like $10 before. I don't think that it's unreasonable that it goes back to $6 to $8 in a year or two, especially if they start putting a bunch of Sacrifice-centric commanders in the next commander set. Uh, This one is significantly less expensive than Altar of or Phyrexian Altar, uh, and then the other one that people play a lot of is Ashnod's Altar, which is also pretty expensive right now. So I have a feeling that the the cheapness of, of uh, Altar of Dementia is not going to last very long. Even though it is played in Modern right now, and it is part of the most popular deck in the format, or the most powerful deck in the format, I should say, um, 
there's just not as big of a, a problem finding them as there is a lot of the other cards in the deck, and as a result, it's la really lagged behind in terms of pricing. So my pick this week is Altar of Dementia. It's not a pick, but just something to note. Did anyone know that, like, okay, Ed obviously knew this because it's his job. Did anyone know that, like, Xenagus is $15 for the the god and, like, Xenagus for, like, stupid money? So. Yeah, all of the gods are really expensive, and I'm so happy I bought all the foils while it was still in standard. So the Are they also god, enchantments? Yes. So the Scarab God is also starting to trend up. I don't expect the same price because it doesn't say indestructible on it, which, like, casuals love, I guess. But just keep an eye on God Finance, I guess. Like, we were pricing Xenagoses this week, and I was like, Oh, these are 15 now. I should probably change. I do a lot of like forgetting what to price stuff at, which my customers take advantage of. Um, so don't stop by and buy all my incredible. Like, you can buy Heliod for six bucks, like two years ago when it was three, if everyone remembers that. That was, uh, I remember Jim correcting me on cast for that. That was bad. Um, so yeah, that's just something to keep in mind. I'm not picking Genesis because, like, I have such a vested interest, and if I pick it, like, I know people will buy it, which makes me money, which is not ethical, so don't pick Genesis, especially because it's almost back up to, like, 75 cents, so you can't get the same ROI. Um, but I sort of am liking the swords. We're starting to see, sorry to clarify, from Modern Horizons, we're starting to see those prices plateau and slow down. They've been steadily dropping as people undercut. Um, they're not as good as the other swords, but this feels like an easy 20% return in a year as far as, you know, they're not great, but they say sword on them and commander players want them. So it's just a casual pick to keep in mind. I also feel like this is your last chance to dump Dominaria checklands because bios are starting to drop on those. So if we're doing pick of the week, I would say dump those before they go back down to a dollar. So just keep that in mind because or, they're about to rotate. Conversely, if you're waiting for them, just keep waiting. They're almost there. Yeah, exactly. So if you're waiting for EDH, just wait until like a month after rotation when everyone's trying to undercut each other and BIOS are like 50 cents on them again. And then maybe they'll get reprinted in standard in the future and then you get to double your money again. And thus the circle of MTG finance continues, Simba. Um, but yeah. Thanks for tuning in this week, guys. Where can people find you on the socials? I want to give a quick shout out to Ezekiel. He apparently Jeremy Ezekiel. Yes. Oh my god, that guy's great. Uh, apparently, Jeremy reached out to him on Twitter, and then he showed up at the booth with hot chocolate for me. Yes, that was pretty awesome. Much, yeah. much appreciated. He does finance. Uh, content shout out to John. What's he up? does finance content on YouTube under the name Merfolk MTG. Ah, oh, I did not know that. Um, yep. So much appreciated there. Also wanted to give a shout out to Josh, who stopped by the booth multiple times. Uh, apparently, some of the times I wasn't even there. Someone told me about this later, and then we did. He did come by the booth briefly on Sunday to chat. So much appreciated there. Uh, I'm Ed. You guys can find me on Twitter at edwin13. I will be at uh, the Tales of Adventure booth this weekend in Dallas. My name is Jim Casal. You can find me on Twitter at PHROST underscore. Uh, you can find me probably staring at my phone trying to catch Pokemon most of the time. Uh, and you can usually find me on coolstuffinc.com and this lovely podcast.
My name's Jeremy. You can find me on Twitter at Missouri MTG. I will be in Dallas on Friday for five hours and that's it. That's all you get of me. Um, what else? You can find this podcast on YouTube, SoundCloud, iTunes, MTG cast, our sponsors, coolstuffinc.com. You can find our social. Oh, we're also on YouTube. If you want to watch this cast live, uh, we have a discord. There's a dude that posts like the European markets every day. So if you live in Europe and you like MTG finance, there's no money. We don't charge. Just sign up because we we desperately crave interaction with our listeners. That's uh, definitely not true. There's a there's a link on uh, a Twitter to join. If not, just tweet at the cartel page and we'll get you a link. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Thanks for listening to the podcast, guys. We'll see some of you in Dallas this weekend. We'll see some of you in the future at Vegas. But we do appreciate you guys listening as always, and we're glad that our audio is back to normal for this week. Thanks for listening. Have a great week, and guess what? Bye-bye.